There's no way they know what was going on inside Epstein's house. When is privilege going to stop being the thing that determines what kind of justice you get? Y'all, you deserve professional hair color that makes you look your gorgeous best delivered right to your door. You can take your hair coloring at home to the next level with Madison Reed, and it starts at just $22. Women have had two options for coloring their hair for decades. That at-home color you got out of a box that's outdated or going to the time and expense of a traditional salon. Many clients of Madison Reed comment on how their new hair color has improved their lives. Women love their gorgeous, shiny, multidimensional, healthy-looking hair. This is game-changing color you can do at home. And you'll look like you just came out of the salon. Madison Reed color is unique because it's crafted by master colorists who blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones. And they create over 55 gorgeous multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. Best case, worst case listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code BESTCASE. That's code BESTCASE. Hello and welcome to Best Case, Worst Case. This is Jim Clemente, retired FBI profiler, former New York City prosecutor and writer-producer on CBS's Criminal Minds. And with me today electronically is... Hi, everybody. It's Francie Hakes, former state and federal prosecutor. Jim, I'm in the Big Apple. Wow, you're in my home. That's right. How are you loving it? Oh, it's fantastic. My God, the people are amazing. And I've been on this carb cleanse craze. But yesterday, Jim, I indulged and I went, I have had the first carbs I had in three weeks. I went and got a bagel and cream cheese and you should have seen me. I was just eating it like a crazy person walking down the street, looking around Times Square. And I'm sure I looked like an idiot, but you know what? Nobody in New York seems to care. Everybody cared, Francie. (laughs) Actually, uh, the bagels in New York are amazing. They say it has something to do with the water and that's shipped from the Delaware Water Gap uh, every day, so it's fresh and clean. It's amazing water in New York City. But isn't the energy in the city so amazing? It's just like you can't help but feel energized and want to walk around and see things and do things, and it's hard to go to sleep in that city. It really is, and I was. I was walking around, and I was thinking about the Clementi clan and how you guys are all from here and, and how you and your dad must have loved walking around the city. Yeah, a lot of energy. It's a really fun place. Cool. All right, well, let's dive into this ongoing, controversial, outrageous situation with Epstein. Yeah, Jim, it's crazy. Since we recorded our last episode, which we recorded on the day that you'll recall, Alex Acosta, who was uh, President Trump's Secretary of Labor, uh, had his press conference, and I was calling for his resignation, as were you, and he accommodated us, Jim. I'm sure it's because of us that he resigned. (laughs) Yeah, he did resign. What did he say in his resignation letter? Did they make it public? Uh, You know, I don't think I've seen it, but um, I think he said something about, if I remember the accounts, something about uh, not wanting to be a distraction to the great Mm. work of the Department of Labor or some such garbage. Right. There you go. I'm sure that is the most honest and forthright and absolutely, (laughs) well, just impeccably accurate letter that has ever been written. What do you think? Yeah, so we... 
We got what we, 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 we wanted. He resigned. Well, it's not yeah. that we wanted that. What we wanted was him to not make an outrageous deal when he worked for the U.S. people. Well, you're absolutely right, Jim. And we both agree that it was outrageous. I've heard from a lot of our listeners who agreed with us and who has said things like, you and Jim, especially Jim, dropping a few choice words, getting all excited and aggravated and angry and outraged about it is exactly how I felt. And that is how we feel, Jim. It's not feigned. We feel that way. Oh, absolutely. The thing is that, you know, we've both been in positions of fiduciary responsibility. You owe the public legitimate work and justice. You you can't just say, oh, well, look, this guy's really important or this guy has a lot of money and his lawyers are going to be a real pain in the neck. So I'm going to give him a sweetheart deal. It just shouldn't work that way. Everybody should get equal justice under the law. And when somebody that wealthy who hangs around with so many wealthy and powerful people gets off like that, it makes everybody distrust the system. Everyone. It does, Jim. And, you know, we, we were talking last time about why. You know, we still don't know why he was given this lenient deal. It may be a complicated uh, web of different factors, you know, intimidation, because the defense team, his money buying him the kind of justice that other people don't get because well, of the way wait. he was able to present himself. Well, wait, what about the fact that he hired private investigators to go out and harass witnesses? I mean, that's not justice. That's, not, this is, that's another crime. Why was that? Why, if the U.S. attorney knew that that was going on, if they were actually investigating that issue, how could they possibly even consider doing anything but going after him with the full force of the law? I don't know, Jim. It's a mystery to me because one report I read said that those private investigators were following the assistant U.S. attorneys. So they had to know. So they knew that they were being targeted in this illegal witness tampering, obstructive um, intimidation kind of way. And yet he still got the sweet deal of a lifetime. But let's talk about what else has come out, Jim. Yeah. Since then, the Miami Herald and other newspapers now have gotten um, really into the swing of this and have started naming the names of the prosecutors, both at the state and the federal level, who were all involved in this sort of chain of poor, disastrous decision-making. And so my next call is for every one of them to be held accountable for this incredibly bad decision, including the judge, the state judge, who sentenced Epstein to 13 months in prison for the felony that he pled guilty to of what was effectively soliciting prostitution from a minor. It was still a child. Well, I have to say there's a few things in all of that that you've said that strike me. One is that we've both worked under head attorneys, attorneys that run our office. And there are times when you work for an attorney like that, the district attorney, the U.S. attorney, the corporation counsel, all those lead attorneys can set policy that you have no choice but to follow. So some of those people may have been the victims of their boss's policy, but others may have been the ones that drove the train on this. Who knows? 
Well, we know some, Jim, because of the civil suits. I've read, again, when I was cooperating with Julie Brown at the Miami Herald on her article and reviewing documents for her to sort of interpret the federal speak, I also read all the documents in the civil lawsuit that the victims have filed against Epstein and the U.S. Attorney's Office for this deal. And there are some emails in there between the assistant U.S. attorney, the line assistant, like I was, the line assistant working the case, to the lawyers talking about, well, we'll do this or that to avoid the press and to avoid notification and to avoid letting the victims know about the plea in state court. Absolute outrage. So in this case, I don't care who was driving the train. She was on board. Well, if you saw emails that said, we're going to do this to avoid notifying the victims, that sounds like a violation of the law. It is. And that's why the judge has, in that civil case, has found that the U.S. Attorney's Office did violate the Victim Notification Act. We talked about that last time. They did violate the Victim Notification Act, and it looks like they did it willfully and knowingly. But since there's no remedy in the law, all the victims can do is continue to pursue this civil suit. Now, they're asking the judge in that case to set aside the non-prosecution agreement so that charges can be brought up again against Epstein. And the judge has not ruled yet on that question. Hmm. Well, that would be interesting. I mean, obviously, there's a whole statute of limitations issue. And, you know, does that toll the statute for the period of time where that judgment stood. I mean, that's it's going to be a complicated legal situation and it's going to be filled with appellate issues, I'm sure. Well, it is. And what's really interesting about this all is, like I said, a lot of what has come out since Alex Acosta resigned. And I wanted to talk to you about this as a former federal cop, if you will, a federal agent, uh, FBI. One of the most outrageous pieces of this that everyone is talking about is that not only was Epstein only sentenced to 13 months confinement, but he well, was bar- barely confined, well, barely. He was allowed work release on that confinement. Now, according to what I understand about Florida rules and laws, the offense under which he pled guilty did not entitle him to a work release sentence. Like some low level offenders are allowed to have work release where they effectively go to work And then they come back to the jail and sleep there at night, five days a week, and then they're there at the jail on the weekends. Epstein's offense was, as I understand it, not not eligible for that kind of treatment, but he got work release anyway, Jim. They gave it to a a child sex offender. Right, but here's the thing. Can you imagine how much less of an intrusion not working would be on his life than it would on the average citizen. In other words, anybody else who got in trouble, who has to go to jail and lose their job and not support their family and put everybody in distress, this dude has at least hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions. Well, that's right. So it it didn't matter for him to go to work, but he still managed to do it. And so who signed off on that? It looks like it was the sheriff of Palm Beach County. And that sheriff apparently is is going to have to answer for what he did. And I think the current sheriff is opening an investigation. I think they're two separate people, is opening an investigation into how work release happened. But my question, Jim, is I just don't understand. This was a decade ago. Why now is everyone finally suddenly starting to see that 
treating a sex offender like this is wrong. I mean, does it really take an expose from the Miami Herald to tell people that giving a child sex offender work release that isn't and he's not entitled to under the law is wrong? Uh, Francie, apparently, yes. But also, what do you think about the fact that he's allowed back into the community, the same community, in the same job at which he actually committed the offense or numerous offenses, as the case may be? I know. It's insane. But, Jim, it gets worse. Because not only was he given this exceptional, extra legal work release, but he paid Palm Beach Sheriff's Department the salaries of the sheriff's deputies who were supposed to monitor his work release. Now, what does that sound like to you, Jim? (laughs) Wow. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. So they worked for him. Yes, they worked for him. And the sheriff's department then basically got extra money. Yes. So they had an incentive to do what they could to make his life easier. So that he would continue to pay. I mean, it's sort of why we don't allow people to bribe public officials and law enforcement officers, particularly not if they're the defendants who've been convicted of a crime. Good Lord. I know. But now I'm starting to see, after reading some of these documents, and by the way, it gets worse, now that I'm reading some of these documents on his work release, I'm starting to see, potentially, why the Southern District of New York, the U.S. Attorney's Office in SDNY, is working this case that the the new charges that they brought out of their public corruption unit. Mm. So you think it might have something to do with whatever deal was struck between the locals and him so that he could get work release and a pittance of a sentence. And not only, it's not regular work release as far as I could tell. He's allowed to go home, right? He worked from his home. Well, actually, Jim, that's one of the things that makes it worse. They're not supposed to be able to go home. And in fact, he set up some kind of, quote, foundation and put its offices somewhere so that the sheriff's deputies escorted him in his chauffeur car, by the way. They were in their marked unit. He was in his chauffeured car from the prison every day. He leaves and goes to this, quote, unquote, office to work at this foundation that he set up just for this. So it clearly was not an existing business already. And what the documents are telling us, Jim, that I just looked at online yesterday is that some of these sheriff's deputies were writing reports at the end of each day. They're supposed to sign him into the jail at night, sign him out in the morning and sign their own name, who signs him in, who signs him out. And then they do a report at the end of the day. Here's what happened. Epstein went here, he did his work, nothing happened, and we, I brought him back to jail. Some of these deputies wrote in their reports that they also escorted him home, where he stayed for several hours. But the deputy stayed outside. Who was in that house? Who was brought over to that house? Who got there before the deputies? Who left after the deputies? There's no way they know what was going on inside Epstein's house 
when he's supposedly out on this illegal work release. Oh my God. This is so, this is, can you imagine, let's just say, let's just take your average robber, somebody who, you know, stole money from somebody else. Can you imagine a world in which they're allowed to go to prison at night to sleep, but go home, go back home and get dropped off at their house? The cops wait outside. They don't check the back door. They don't check the helipad. They don't check the fire escape. They just wait outside. Then you come back out after several hours and go back to sleep at the prison. I mean, can you imagine how dangerous that would be for society? No. Now let's talk about somebody who, oh, I know, has sex with minors, who traffics minors for sex, who uses his wealth and power to basically subdue those victims from coming forward. Is it not dangerous to put him back in the community? Is it not dangerous to put him back in his house where he probably committed many of those crimes? It's outrageous. This is such a failure of the justice system. I mean, it's maddening. My head wants to explode. Tim, it's a cascade of failures. It's like one after another after another. And when you start piling it on, it is absolutely inescapable that there was corruption of the worst kind going on here. And it amazes me that you have sheriff's deputies sworn to uphold the law, supposedly, who are escorting Epstein to his office where they're not even supposed to be escorting he's him anywhere. Boss. Yeah. He's, he's paying, paying their friggin' salary. Paying their salaries. And according to the report from at least one sheriff's deputy that I saw, he noticed at least one quote young woman going into Epstein's office to meet with him while the deputy was outside. What was the point of the deputy if not to ensure the safety of the community while this sex offender, while this assaulter of children was supposedly working? I would love to be able to talk to that deputy, but I'm sure that the Southern District of New York would also like to talk to that deputy. I hope so, Jim. I don't understand it. I really cannot understand what's happened here. Y'all, have I mentioned how much I love my girls, Bella and Mia? Of course, they're cats, but they're still my babies. I love everything about them. I love how furry they are. I love how they snuggle with me on the couch at night. But by far the worst part about being a cat owner is dealing with the cat litter. It's messy. It's smelly. It's heavy. And really, it's outright barbaric. So I switched to Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter is Kitty Litter 2.0. It's shipped right to my door in a small lightweight bag that lasts me the entire month. Pretty Litter also has next level odor protection using super absorbent crystals that actually trap and conceal odor and moisture. No smell, no mess. Forget about that dirty clay or compost that's completely gross to clean up. So do what I did and make the switch to Pretty Litter today by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code BESTCASE for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code BESTCASE, for 20% off. prettylitter.com, promo code BESTCASE. Another interesting point about this whole public corruption angle and the public corruption unit at SDNY 
when you're thinking about Epstein's house, apparently this happened at least once, at least, I think it was actually at least twice I've seen documents where different sheriff's deputies talk about escorting him from jail to office, office to home, home back to jail. And of course, there's nothing about whether they searched the house before Epstein went in or searched it upon his uh, exit, any of that to try to ensure any sort of public safety, or frankly, that Epstein wouldn't run out the back and get in his helicopter or his boat, I think he had a beach house, and just take off. So I don't, well, I don't understand the monitoring here even. Well, yeah, but forget about searching it before or after. The fact is they watched at least one woman walk in. Exactly. Why is he even allowed to interact with other people? Why is that even something he's allowed to do? I just don't understand it. Well, I don't either. And it makes you wonder. It just Well, it makes me pissed that they're not taking child sex crime seriously. And you know, he, he pled to that, not because it was the highest offense. He pled down to that. So the things that he was actually accused of had to have been greater. And we know now from all these victims who have come forward that this was pervasive. Oh, yes. Just this is a failure. This is a determined sex offender. And every single prosecutor and police officer and detective and agent knew it. Right. So they all knew it. Some of the agents and some of the detectives protested. And what investigated. Agent? What agent well, FBI. The FBI did not want this deal to happen. And neither did there was one local detective who didn't want this deal to happen. So when all this goes through, you've at least got some honest brokers in all of this. But it makes me wonder, Jim, whether some of this evidence that the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office in New York have found when they executed this most recent search warrant on Epstein's ridiculous mansion in Manhattan they've reportedly found some photographs. We talked about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. The most interesting part of it to me is twofold. One, wondering whether it, whether the contents of that, whatever they are, were actually made, developed, produced after he pled guilty and maybe mm. conduct in that very Palm Beach house during that very work release, potentially. And mm. two, the other interesting thing to me, Jim, and I'd love your comments on this, is... No new indictment. I'm waiting for a superseding indictment on those images. If those images are of what the federal law calls child pornography, sexually explicit images of children under the age of 18, if that is in his safe, if those contents were in his safe, I would expect those prosecutors to run very quickly right back to grand jury and supersede the indictment to add those charges. But it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, well, maybe they're trying to do a comprehensive investigation before they do anything else. I hope so. I hope that's what they're going to do. That's certainly what they did the first time around. And obviously, they are motivated. They're definitely motivated to make sure that every charge that is new, that was not known to the government at the time Epstein pleaded guilty initially, is something that they pursue because Epstein's lawyers are certainly going to be filing that the court throw out these charges based on the fact that Epstein uh, pled guilty in state court and the federal government agreed not to prosecute him. There are going to be lots of legal arguments. I suspect it'll go all the way up to the Supreme Court, whether that non-prosecution agreement is valid, whether it binds every U.S. attorney's office or just Miami, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it said, it didn't say every U.S. attorney's office, and certainly 
the United States attorney or the attorney general did not participate in that decision. Well, actually, there is some uh, implication yet. I haven't seen a lot of documentary evidence, but I have seen that the deputy attorney general at the time may have signed off on the non-prosecution agreement. And that is highly significant, if that's the case. Wow. Highly significant. Yeah, well, that could actually create a situation in which nobody can prosecute them anymore. No, unless they found new charges. at least not for the old conduct. Well, obviously, if they found things in the safe, that's one thing. But what about this, Francie? Can't they go back and talk to these young women who were kids at the time? Can't they charge him with other charges? I mean, did that document say for any conduct that he committed at all illegal during this time period? Or did it say for specific charges yeah, it's a, that were Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a very uh, tightly drafted um, agreement, Jim, in the sense- Tightly meaning what? Well, in the sense that it was very broad in its language of what it was covering, that it was covering all the conduct known to the FBI during their investigation of the matter and of co-conspirators and victims known and unknown at the time of the agreement. So it it well, really tried that, to protect that, Epstein big time. Right. But they have no, all those other people have no standing to rely on that agreement. They will not be able to enforce that. They, they're not a party no, to it. No, the co-conspirators cannot enforce that agreement. Agree 100%. So the United States government could go after any of those people. It doesn't, it, that's, that's just a frivolous addition to that, that statement. And the fact that it's in there tells me that somebody wanted to make sure that nobody did any more investigating. Yeah. That's what it tells yes. me. And that's outrageous too. That's Well, it's even more outrageous. Let me put it that way. Now, the other thing is known at the time. So that's wonderful because now the FBI can do a subsequent investigation and find multiple additional victims. If everything that people are saying is true, then there are multiple additional victims. And First thing they should do is go after all those co-conspirators, get one of them to flip, and then find out all the people that nobody even talked to back then, and then bring a case against them. Well, I hope they do that. And in fact, several women have come forward and said that they were children um, back in this time period and that Epstein abused them as well. So I'm sure that's being pursued, which brings me to my present day, Jim, and something that Mm -hmm. is in the news today as we record. That is, this morning, supposedly, Epstein was discovered in his cell in New York uh, in a fetal position, quote, with injuries to his neck. I cannot find a broader description than that uh, as we sit here and record. The speculation is that he either attempted to commit suicide or was injured by a fellow inmate. He was taken to the hospital where they treated him. Apparently it wasn't serious enough to keep him and he was sent back to jail. So the question now is, are his attorneys going to try to use either a suicide attempt or an assault by another inmate as another excuse for why Epstein should not be held pending trial? Well, I'm sure they're going to try. But to me, if they do anything like that, if this whole situation hasn't proven that this 
asshole will manipulate the government in any way possible, that if he is allowed out, that he continues to be a danger to the community, and there's no way to adequately supervise him in a mansion the size of Oklahoma. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's just, when is privilege going to stop being the thing that determines what kind of justice you get? It's just outrageous. That's an excellent question. I would be so pissed if I lived in that jurisdiction or if my kids were exposed to that asshole. I mean, it's just, it's so maddening. It is maddening. It's not justice, Jim. You and I have fought our entire careers, our adult lives, our professional careers in the cause of justice. We fought in the cause of justice. And I know both of us are outraged when we see something that happens that tips justice on its head. The scales of justice are there for a reason. The blindfold is there for a reason. The sword is there for a reason. And here, justice has not been done. And his attorneys, and I'm sure Epstein, are trying very hard to see that he continues to escape justice. I'm curious what you think from a profile standpoint, and I understand it's just really a kind of a guess, but it's an educated guess with you, Jim. What do you think is more likely at this point, that he was attacked or that he tried to commit suicide? I I have a guess, but I'm curious what you think. Well, the way it's been described, I would say it's a failed attempt at suicide because if he was attacked, the last thing I would expect to see is injuries to his neck. I would expect to see shiv marks from being stabbed and beaten face and eyes and head and body if he was attacked. Uh, I just don't believe that injuries to the neck describes a typical prison attack. No, I think that makes sense. My, I wonder, though, too, what you think about the whole suicide thing. I mean, if it was a suicide attempt, which, by the way, I just, fundament, I just fundamentally do not believe that someone like this, with his pattern of behavior, his arrogance, the way he buys his way out of anything, his friends in high places, his escape from previous justice, I just don't think that guy would try to kill himself. Well, let me just tell you, though, if all hope is lost, in other words, if he realizes, and he would be the one to know, that what people know in the public now is just the tip of the iceberg, just barely scratching the surface. If he knows that what they seized is going to get him in a lot more trouble, if he knows that his, quote, friends are no longer going to protect him, then maybe that that is what he did. But on the other hand, if he did attempt to commit suicide, they didn't describe him as laying in a fetal position with a rope or a rag or a sheet around his neck. They described him as having injuries to his neck. So he would have had to have attempted it, stopped and dismantled whatever it was that he was using when they found him. So it doesn't sound like a real serious attempt. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think they've got him on suicide watch. Frankly, I hope he does not commit suicide for multiple reasons, but mostly because that will rob the victims of any justice that may still lay for them in the justice system. And so I hope that they get it. Yeah. Well, I think it was a flimsy attempt, probably for attention or to set up some sort of defense of insanity or something like that. And it's just 
I don't care about this guy. I don't give a damn that he's going through hell because clearly he put not only put the victims through hell, but he put the justice system through hell. I mean, he has perverted justice in such an awful way. It's such a horrible thing that somebody, just because they have money and power and, and, and friends, and speaking of friends, all the celebrities and high-powered people who visited his house after he pled guilty and was let free. I mean, it's outrageous. Well, it's I hope disgusting. all those people are just embarrassed and contrite, and they do everything they can in their power now to help victims and to prop up the justice system that they were a part of destroying in this case. Well, you're right, Jim. And I think that is, in addition to, of course, primary issue with respect to victims not getting justice, is the doubt it has caused people to have, the further doubt when you pile it on top of other similar cases, to have in the justice system altogether. And I believe in American justice. I believe in the justice system. But when you've got bad apples, like we clearly had at the bottom of this Epstein case, then people have reason to doubt it. And that that bothers me. It hurts me. It, it, it hurts the mission of justice. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. How do you argue against people who then say that the entire justice system is corrupt, that the entire justice system is weighted towards the wealthy? How do you counter that? And I can't counter it because I believe that. I know that when you have millions or hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, you can hire the most powerful law firms with 10, 15, 20, 30, 50, 100 lawyers that are working just on your case. And what, do they, what does that do to the justice system? It overwhelms it. Because most of the time, the assistant United States attorneys and assistant district attorneys are going to be young lawyers who have not 10s, or 15s, or 20 cases, but hundreds of cases in their caseload. And they simply don't have the ability to spend hundreds or thousands of hours filing motions and answering motions and doing everything that's necessary to actually combat an entire law firm or multiple law firms that are bombarding you with requests and demands and legal issues. So it's just, it's just outrageous. And it's a, it's a fact of life that if you're wealthy, you can create a situation where it's much more difficult for justice to actually move forward against you. And this case is just a glaring example of it. It is, Jim. And we're going to continue to follow this case very closely and report back to our listeners on, uh, on any more developments. Definitely. Well, till next time, thank you for listening to Best Case, Worst Case. Signing out. Best Case, Worst Case is an XG production. Produced by Jim Clementi at Empire Studios, LA. Engineered and edited by Mike Thal. Music composed and performed by Simba Sumba. And hosted by Wonder. You can listen to Best Case, Worst Case on your favorite listening app. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knowledge is power, 
And when we know the facts about sexual abuse, we can better protect kids. Darkness to Light has already trained more than 1.4 million adults to keep children safe from sexual abuse. I'm one of those 1.4 million, Jim. Using their Stewards of Children Prevention Training, they give you and gave me the facts, tools, and tips I needed to help keep the kids I love safe. And you can do the same with their Stewards of Children Prevention Training. Get trained today to prevent, recognize, and react responsibly to child abuse in your community. Learn more about Darkness to Light and child sexual abuse prevention at www.d2l.org. That's D, the numeral 2, L.org.